0: us to be a part of service and we want to say welcome to all of those who join us by way of Facebook and uh, some of which I forced I had to call some folks and threaten them that they not come here today uh, because they weren't doing well and they they had some issues some, some sickness and uh, they They were so steadfast, they wanted to come anyway, and I I refused. I I would not allow them to come. If I had not done that, they would have been here. And uh, so I have to remind Heidi, Chantel, and others that, yes, you have to take a day off. So I know you're you're watching. I know you're viewing. And we miss you. We do miss you. Um, And we're praying for you and others and uh, some who weren't supposed to be here are coming in the door right now so um, <laughs> <and Michelle. laughs> well, that's good we're glad to hear that we don't take back our prayers though we still pray for you and uh, thank God to, to to see each one that's here today there are quite a few missing and uh, we, we pray we'll, we'll, we'll name well, uh, those that that we can that with our short mind and short memory we'll try and name those but we have quite a few who are here so i want you to know uh, if you're not here and you're viewing that we have you in our prayers and we'll continue to, to keep you in, in our prayers we're thankful to god for those who showed up in our part of service today and they're thankful to know that god's word and his service goes on and uh, whether we're here in in our physical presence or reviewing uh, by media and technology. God's word is going out, and we're thankful to God for that and pray that that might continue this year through this ministry. Our scripture reading, we're going to go back to our study in Galatians, and so I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 6 this morning. Galatians chapter 6, reading verses 1 through 10. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's holy word today. After the scripture reading, we're going to have a word of prayer and then go right into our message for this morning, and we'll close our service after that. So let's take a look at God's word. Follow along with me as I read. Brothers. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. May God bless the reading, the hearing of his word today. Give us understanding in this portion of scripture we'll be preaching through this morning. Let's... Take some time out and pray to the lord father we thank you for this day this new year and this first sunday in that new year we recall remember we reflect on your goodness that you've shown to us this past year and throughout the years and so confidently we come into this year knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us knowing that you have a purpose for us and your purpose will be fulfilled um, in your plan and in your kingdom. And yet we pray as you commanded us, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're reminded that your perfect will is done in heaven and that you are accomplishing that purpose that you have on earth. And we're part of that purpose, and so we thank you. We don't know all that's in store for us in this coming year, but we know that you are with us and that your purpose will not be overcome. It will be accomplished. We pray to be a part of that purpose, Lord, in a good way. We pray that you use this, you use this ministry, you use your people here to live out. Your truth, so that others might come to know Christ, be encouraged in their walk with Christ, and be strengthened in their growth and development in living for Christ. We pray for those absent today. There are so many, Lord, who are impacted by sickness, some by COVID, some by other things that are going on. We just pray for each one of of our families and each individual that's affected that you would bless and you would restore them would allow them to be safe to be careful to be faithful in you to be thinking and 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 hoping in you to not give up in and or be discouraged knowing lord that you are in control and that you are the healer and that you can provide and protect and heal each one so we thank you we pray lord that our hearts will look up to you and look to you, and that we would learn how to encourage one another, that we would have that as a part of our ministry as we see in your word today. So guide us to your truth right now, Lord. Open our hearts to understand your will and your purpose, that our hearts might be enlightened, that we might uh, be instructed, that we might be encouraged, and that we might be faithful to do what you've called us to do. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. it's been a little while since we last looked at this portion in our series um, uh, this portion of God's Word in Galatians in our series and so we have today's message and probably one more that we'll summarize and wrap up our series in Galatians and then from there we'll move on to another series it's been our practice to preach through the Word of God and to use uh, to, go, to go right through, to study through books and to walk through in our sermon messages so that you might get an a, a overall understanding of how God's Word fits fits together. Today we look at the end of Galatians, but since it's been a while, let's just take a little bit of review in Galatians, very short one to remember what Galatians is, is emphasizing to us. Paul is writing to a group of believers. He starts out with a, a standard introduction but he gets right to the point and he tells them that he's astonished that they have turned from the gospel to another gospel even though he says there is no other gospel. And He emphasizes the gospel, the importance of the gospel, and he says there are some among this group of believers who have perverted the gospel, have twisted it, and turned it into something else. He uses the word distort in chapter 1, verse 7. He says there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so the the, the message in Galatians is to set straight uh, what the gospel is and to challenge those who distort the gospel and to uh, encourage those believers to stand in the gospel and upon the gospel and let it have its full impact in their lives. And so we are well to be reminded of that truth. The gospel still is the power to 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 give life the power to to transform lives is in the gospel and the gospel alone and that gospel points to the lord jesus christ paul reminds his his his, his readers and his audience that that he proclaims christ christ is the center what god is doing in the person of christ is the center In the gospel and we do well to keep that focus today now um, as he begins to correct what's been distorted about the gospel he deals with a contentious issue of his day and it has ramifications for us today uh, as as we look at it he's looking at how they have distorted the gospel and made it a gospel of works instead a gospel of gospel of man's work instead of a gospel of God's work uh, a gospel that focuses on man and his doing instead of a gospel that focus on God and what he has done and what he does and so he we can see that Paul confronts um, those believers he even confronts The apostles who had uh, looked the other way or accepted a distortion in the gospel, maybe not realizing the impact it would have, but Paul brings out that this distortion cannot be allowed. It has to be challenged. And in doing so, in chapter 2, he sets forth the truth of the gospel. Can we take a moment, look at chapter 2, verse 15? Start with verse 16. He says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the the point of the gospel. How does a person, how is a person brought in a right relationship and fellowship with God? Is it things that they do or is it what has been done for them in the Lord Jesus Christ and them trusting in what Christ has done? Certainly, it is them trusting faith in Christ and not works of the law. Works of the law have to do with keeping the Old Testament uh, and and all of all of it, and especially the ritualistic aspects that were done in, in Paul's day and that were thought to be uh, 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 distinguished and, and and to be a part of the Jewish heritage, and so. Uh, there were people there distorting the gospel, saying, hey, you have to follow what the Jews practice in order for you to be accepted by God, and that's the gospel. And Paul says, no, no, that is a distortion of the gospel. We need to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done to bring us in right relationship with God the Father. What is that he has done? He has lived a sinless life, He has died a sacrificial death to suffer and to pay for the sins of those who would trust in him. And he calls those who would trust in him to do just that, to believe him and his work as a substitute for their judgment and their payment for their sin and trust in him and they would have eternal life. There is no other way to be right with God, to be forgiven of our sin, to be cleared of God's judgment, than to trust in what Christ has done for us. And so he he focuses on that gospel. In Galatians, we also see then that this gospel has an impact on our lives. It's not something that we just heard once. For me, when I was seven years old, uh, I came to trust Christ through hearing the gospel, uh, preached continually and, and all the time at church and at home, and I came to a point where I realized God was speaking to me in the gospel. But we realized then that it's not just an event that we believe and then we just go on from there as if, you know, the gospel has no impact or change on all of our lives, Paul emphasizes to them that it does, in fact, impact everything that you do. In fact, that's part of the argument that some were saying, look, Paul, if you take away obedience to the law, and we can't use that as a stick anymore, to to, to challenge people who who trust in Christ, they got to obey the law, then what do we have to guide and to direct and to order their lives. And you're basically saying if, they, if you take away the law, then they can do as they please, and they can live in sinfulness and still say that they're trusting in Christ. Well, Paul brings, as he presents the gospel in truth, he, he shows them carefully how that is not the case. Look at chapter 3, verse um, 2. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He said, it's not your flesh and your determination to follow the Old Testament or any part of God's Word that keeps you and preserves you and, and, and perfects you. In fact, he says, it's not you at all. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work in you. And that is, that's an important, very critical, important thing. So he, he's saying, look, in fact, he says something that kind of scares them is that you don't need the law. Look at chapter three. I actually want to skip to chapter five if I could. Verse 18, a very simple verse. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does he mean by that? It's not the law that conforms your behavior to make it obedient to God's Word. It's not, it's not the, 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 uh, uh, the law that does that. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who does that. He says, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, your life will be impacted and changed, and it's, so it's not an adherence to the law that changes your behavior, but it's the work of the spirit. In fact, in, in chapter five there at the end, he goes through um, the works of the flesh compared, compared to the work contrasted with the work of the spirit, what the spirit produces and what the flesh produces And he contrasts that. And he he makes a very strong statement in in, in chapter 5, verse 21. He's completing that list. He says, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And here's the strong statement. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to see how strong a statement that is. Paul is saying, yes, there's truth that if you do certain things and if your life is is a pattern of that type of thing, you will not be a part of God's kingdom. You have no place in it. But that's not because you have to obey the law. That's because the Holy Spirit in you has changed your very desire and your very nature so that you cannot continue living those things. It's not because somebody is holding a law over you and say, you better do this or else you won't get to heaven. You better do that or else you won't get to heaven. He's saying those who have the Spirit in them live this way because of the Holy Spirit's work in them. So you would think that Paul, you know, if you, if you start, Paul's, Paul's Gospel, which is the Gospel of the Lord, is a gospel that frees us from the slavery of sin. And in chapter four he begins to talk about uh, uh, what that means. He, he, he compares uh, uh, even at the begin, in, excuse me even at the end of chapter three, he brings this idea, that it's not the law that that helps us conform. We're free from the law, but we're free to serve and to live as God would have us to live. But he emphasizes this freedom that we have. And to some people, that's a little scary thing, that if we're free, then what controls you? Paul says it this way. He compares them as a slave and a son in chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 the difference between a slave and a son he says is not much different while the child is young and in the home he's not free to do whatever he wants he has to follow the rule of his parents but the truth is when he becomes an adult he is he inherits all that his parents have and he is free whereas a slave in the home or the servant in the home does not have that he has to obey in the home but no matter how old he gets that's his condition he doesn't change so he he compares a true believer to a son instead of a slave and said because you're a son you're an heir you have coming all that that the uh that your parents have stored up for you and he he brings that to to bear as believers are that way, and not slaves. And he he says that we're not slaves to the law anymore. Can you look back with me at uh, chapter 3, verse 23? Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed verse 19 of chapter 3 brings us the purpose of the law. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. In other words, the law showed what sinfulness is. It defined it. And by defining it, it condemned those who did those things. As we go back to chapter 5, remember Paul says, hey, Those who behave this way will have no part of the kingdom of God. So Paul is basically saying, look, the freedom that you have in the gospel does not take away the fact that those who behave certain way in a sinful way, God will judge. So this freedom that we have is not a freedom to continue in sin. Those who who live in that way uh, will have no part of the kingdom of God. God's word is, is definite about that. God's word is very clear about that. But then, what does this freedom mean then? And and if we have this freedom, how are we empowered, or what's the guide that allows us to live the way God wants us to live? And as I mentioned before, it is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. At the end of chapter 4, He uses several analogies to talk about this freedom. He says, you believers are sons of the free woman, whereas unbelievers are children of the slave woman. And he he uses that analogy and that comparison. And then he says, verse 31, So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free. He's emphasizing our freedom and carries that into chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It's just you have been set free by Christ, and you are, in fact, free from the law with all of its penalties, with all its, its uh, 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 command that you either adhere to its standard or be condemned. That's what the law does. So, the question is, is is the law thrown out? Is it of no use? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. The law still has its purpose. It still identifies sin. It still tells us that we don't meet the standard and that we are condemned. The law tells us that. Well, then how are we free? Because Jesus has paid the price for those who trust in him and set them free from the standard that the law requires. He meets the standard. We can't. And he sets us free from the penalty that the law requires for those who don't meet the standard. We don't meet the standard. We deserve the penalty. But the penalty has been placed on Jesus, and we are free. So the logical question is, okay, I'm free. Then why why should the gospel impact or affect my behavior? It's because those who listen to the gospel and obey it have been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our new guide. The Holy Spirit is the one that directs our path. Now, that's all the introduction to chapter 6. And I want to get into chapter 6 because what Paul is doing here is he's saying, now that you understand the impact that the gospel has in the life of a believer, let's see how it affects our relationships and our interactions together. And that's what he's dealing with in chapter 6 because the fear is, hey... Um, if I'm free, I can do as I please. I'm under no restraint by the law. I can do exactly as I please and still claim to be a follower of Christ. In fact, some people are doing that today. Many people are doing that today. Don't judge me. Don't tell me what to do. Don't condemn me. The Word of God does still condemn me. Remember what we said in chapter 5? He says, uh, chapter 5, verse twenty. Uh, I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's still true. The standard is there. So, how does this gospel then impact our lives? And how are we to live in light of the gospel. Can I remind you that we can see this this problem coming up. And Paul addresses it, brings it up in a couple places. Look at chapter 5, verse 13, 14 and 15. You were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another it says the freedom that god gives you through christ is to be used to serve one another he also says that's the problem with these ones who 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 distort the gospel and say the gospel is stuff you got to do you got to be you got to be circumcised you got to live like a jew in order to receive the blessings of god you got to You've got to meet all the requirements of the Old Testament. You've got to obey the law so that you are made right with God. So the problem that you have is you think that that's your guide and that's your, your, your motivation, and if I take that away, then you have no guide. The problem is the gospel hasn't impacted your life. He says, verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So those who trust in Christ do not abolish the law. They begin to fulfill God's purpose as Christ fulfilled it for them. They begin to be more and more like Christ. Look at the last verse, verse 15 there. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. This implication then is that those who followed this distorted gospel lived a distorted life. They were fighting, biting, and devouring one another. It was constant conflict because their life was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Remember that phrase in chapter 1? It's going to be in chapter 2, verse 11. Verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Verse 14, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. You see, if we don't understand the gospel correctly, if we distort the gospel, our conduct will be distorted as well. Right gospel, right living. You ask, why is Galatians important for us today? Is because we don't understand and, and 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 see what God is saying. We will not live to His glory. Our our lives will be impacted by our distortion of the gospel, and that's what was happening to to these folks in Galatia. That. They had accepted a distortion and it was showing in their lives and how they related to one another. Paul was saying, Watch out, y'all gonna bite and devour one another because the gospel is not being lived out in your lives. Remember what he says in chapter five? It's very important when he talks about the, the works of the of the spirit. He says verse twenty-two: the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Then here it is. Against such things there is no law. He said there is no law that can produce this kind of conduct. This is the work of the Spirit. And if you don't understand the gospel right, if, you're not, if you distort the gospel, then you also are going to see the impact of that in a distorted life, in a distorted walk. So Paul reminds them, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's the Spirit's uh, power in your life that keeps you obedient to the Lord. Not someone standing with a strong hand saying, you better do this, you better do that. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. You don't need the, 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 the strong arm of the law when the spirit is working in you. Remember that analogy I said? The problem with the, 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 the law culture is that the law is only maintained when the enforcer is around. Remember I talked about speeding? People on the highway, yeah, when, when they don't see no sheriff and no red lights, we just cruising along at whatever speed we want to. As soon as the enforcer shows up, guess what we get in line? That's the problem with the the law. It's an external enforcement. Holy Spirit gives an internal enforcement. He lives within us to keep us in line with his truth by motivating, by challenging, by reminding us of God's truth, by changing our nature, by giving us life. The Holy Spirit's work. So you can see folks who try to do right, in their own strength, still fall short. It's the Holy Spirit's work that must be done. So Paul says to them, stop biting and devouring one another. You're trying to live right by a false power, your power and your will, and you need to do it by the Holy Spirit's power. I think that's probably the most misunderstood concept in Christian walk because we say, how do I live under God's power? How do I know I'm not doing it under my own power? Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. This is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. That one verse really brings it out. I'm going to use three words. To talk about that kind of sum up to me what this chapter is talking about and what it means to walk in the spirit and that those who are in the spirit are not under the law because they don't need that coercion it's the holy spirit that empowers them and keeps them in line three words one is confront we confront sin now see people will think well if you're walking in the spirit you just get along with everybody You won't say anything that causes people to be in an uproar, that upset them. You will just speak peace and lovely thoughts. How are you this morning? Oh, your hair is beautiful. I really love that suit you have on. Those might be nice words, and they may be appropriate for certain times. But that's not all there is to this Christian walk. Paul says, let me model that for you. We confront. Confronting means, first of all, is to know the gospel, to stand on the gospel, and to live it out. You notice as we summarize Galatians, Paul starts this whole thing with confrontation. He says, I'm astonished that you so quickly have removed from the gospel. He does that to confront them. That confrontation is a part of this Christian walk, and it's a part of life. In the spirit. That's why people don't always want to go to church. They want to live by themselves. They'll come in, they, you know, dib and dab in a little bit, then go out to their own. Oh, you ask them, hey, are you going to be connected with this church? Well, I'm thinking about it. How long are you going to think about it? A year, two, three years? You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of a couple that's just continually engaged. How long are you going to be engaged? Oh, well, we'll see. One year turns to two years, turns to three years, turns to four years, turns to five years. Uh, what's going on? Well, we're getting engaged. And you hear all kinds of excuses where we're saving up money for, for our wedding. You know, well, we want to buy a house first. Oftentimes, it's all, we live together. But, you know, we want to buy a house. Or oh, we want to have a destination wedding. We we, we got to save up money for that. We're working on it. You hear all kinds of excuses. Well, the bottom line is we're not committed to each other. We're not committed for life. And we're waiting and we're using excuses to show that, hey, we're not there yet. Part of this Christian walk is one of knowing the gospel and therefore confronting things that are contrary to the gospel. I am not talking about getting in somebody's face just for getting in their face's sake or being antagonistic and calling that Christian. But it is a stand for and with and in the gospel. And that's where Paul modeled that. He started off saying, look, I've got a contention with you. it's, It's because you have moved away from the gospel. And it's my purpose as a believer to remind you of what the gospel is supposed to look like in our lives. So Paul says here, the word of God says here, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. So we see restore, and we see the attitude that should come with that in a spirit of what? Gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. Why gentleness? He tells us, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. In the spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself. The attitude there is make sure that you are aligning with the gospel and challenging others to align in the gospel. Keep a watch on yourself. In other words, model it yourself before you start picking at others. Jesus said it this way, take the beam out of your eye before, so you can see clearly before you remove the speck out of your brother's eye. He didn't say, don't be concerned about the speck in your brother's eye. He said, take care of yourself first so that you can do that job properly. It is our job to do. One of the first things about sin, we see the impact of that in the garden, don't we? Jesus met with Cain. He asked Cain, where's your brother? What did Cain say? Am I my brother's keeper? Ain't my job. The work of the Spirit is, yes, we are keepers of each other, but in a right way, in a spirit of gentleness, he says, keeping watch over yourself. In other words, modeling the behavior and challenging others in that same way. So this Christian walk has to do with that. We can see, we can see Paul all through this book guiding in how that's done. Paul confronted the Galatians. Paul confronted the apostles who were equal with him at, at the highest level in, 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 in the church. Paul confronted the the, the false teachers who brought this and he challenged them. And he says then, in our walk, we need to confront sin with each other. It's part of the way that the Holy Spirit works. He challenges us through his word. He challenges us through each other. And we have to be a part of that process. He teaches us how to do that here. Restore. The attitude, the mind, and and the purpose then is to bring that brother or sister to walk with Christ when they have fallen away from that. You know, we have, as I mentioned before, we have people who think they don't need that. In fact, that's the part of the church they don't like and they'd rather have without. They must know more than God. Because God meant that to be a part of our life. Now, when I say confront, it's not just a negative aspect. There's a positive as well, and we see that. We challenge and we confront. We'll see that with a challenge, there is an encouragement aspect to it. We'll we'll see that as we go along. And he says, so the three words that I wanted you to look at was confront, challenge, and model. We confront it. We challenge the person to walk in the way that's pleasing to the Lord and correct their thinking and their behavior to line up with the gospel. Remember what I said in chapter 2, Paul says, "I I noticed that Peter and Peter was leading others astray because his actions were not in step with the gospel. He challenged them. That was a difficult thing to do, but he did. He confronted them and he challenged them to be in line with the gospel. He modeled before them. One of the jobs that makes parenting so difficult is we don't need to just correct. We need to model. Correcting without modeling is hypocrisy at its highest. So me to tell you to do something and I don't model it before you is ridiculously hypocritical so what some of us do is I'm just gonna shut my mouth cause I ain't living right and I ain't gonna expect you to live right and that's not the Christian walk either it is a correction and a challenging and a modeling before and welcoming others then to, to, to help us along that path that's why he says you do this in the spirit of, uh, of gentleness and he says Keep watching yourself, lest you be tempted. There's a sense of humility, and there's a sense of connection. I'm not coming in to your life and just pointing out everything and walking away. No, we're coming together to join and connect our lives. We're committed to each other, and in that process, we challenge, we correct, and we model for each other. Two important words, Gentleness then a word that's implied and not used is humility. Keep watch over yourself, lest you be tempted, realizing that I am subject to those same things. So I cannot correct without myself modeling. And in fact, (laughs) anytime I correct, I'm challenged and motivated to model myself. That's why it's, it's good to be teachers. Remember James says, don't all desire to be teachers because you're going to be held to a high standard. Well, that, that's a good standard to be held to because you are held to model before those who you teach. So don't walk away from it or shirk that responsibility. Come into it as God would have us to do. And we can see that then it, it, we, we desperately need that that gentleness and that humility that goes along with that task. We see the balance here. When he says, you ought to restore him, you're to keep watch over yourself lest you be tempted. He says in the chapter in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and in verse 5 bear your own load. So we see this incredible balance that he calls us to do as we walk in the spirit and as we are connected to one another. He says, yes, you have a responsibility to help out your fellow brother, and you also have a responsibility to take care of yourself. He says, we don't become busybodies in each other's lives. What we do is we keep a watchful eye for each other and for ourselves. I've said this before. The Word of God says it is our mirror, and it is true that we ourselves are mirrors for each other. It's amazing when it, when a young lady gets married and and she's getting fitted for that gown and she's getting dressed. You know, she has her mother, she she has her 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 her, her, her uh, the bridesmaid, She has people around her to make sure from every angle, everything is all right. And so she has a literal mirror in front of her, but she has other mirrors who, who are checking on this and, and straightening out this and making sure everything's right. We are that to each other. Mirrors and helpers to each other in a right spirit. So he says, bear one another's burden. So fulfill the law of Christ. It's interesting he uses, I think it's almost like a play on word, the law of Christ. You don't need the law... The Old Testament law to keep you straight, but you have another law. You are free, but you're free to serve, he says in in chapter 5. Is it verse 18 or so? Chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So there is a law. There's something that keeps us straight. There is truth, and there's a standard that we live by and walk by. But it's not the law of the uh, 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 of, of the Old Testament that says you've got to be circumcised before you can be part of the family of God. It's the law of Christ, that's given through the Holy Spirit, that challenges us to bear one another's burdens. We fulfill it. This is the Old Testament, it's summed up this way: Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's the Holy Spirit that's guiding and and motivating us to live and to walk by His Spirit. There's somebody that's missing today that through the week you're going to pray for. Not only are you going to pray for, you're going to pick up the phone and call. You're going to find out. You may call them directly, or you may call through a friend, but you're going to find out how they're doing. You're going to look for the prayer list that comes out in in, in this fellowship of believers and pray for them. You're going to want to connect yourself and be a part. We serve one another. That's the part of our walk with Christ. That's the part of walking in the Spirit. It's not always easy. It's definitely not always comfortable, but if God directed it that way, that we interact and we connect and we serve one another. So fulfill the law of Christ. for if anyone thinks He's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Don't be self-deceived. See yourself as God sees you. Use the help of others around you to have a right perspective. Of yourself. If you isolate yourself, you can think anything. <laughs> I remember when, um, I, when I was in high school, I went to high school that really emphasized basketball. Basketball was just a big emphasis in our school. Now, you, you would, nobody would say this or tell this to you, but you know how I knew I was a football player. <laughs> it was hard to get people to come to the games for football. And hardly nobody came at all for baseball games. Maybe because we weren't so good, but <laughs> that might have a little bit of something to do with it. But our basketball team was just so-so. Basketball was just one of those sports that was emphasized a whole lot. And so as I played and as, as I talked with guys, a lot of guys thought they were a lot better than they were. It's guys who couldn't make the team in a high school, but they thought, "Yeah, you know, I'm better than all those guys. The coach just didn't like me. They would isolate themselves, and they would have a, a, a twisted vision of themselves. But I went to college, I happened to go to uh, the school that had just won the national championship in college. And my first year at that college, Marquette, by the way, first year there, I was a roommate of an incoming freshman who was on the team. In other words, he had a four-year scholarship, and so this guy's coming in. I got a four-year scholarship to be on the number one school in the nation in the sport that I'm in. I got a chance to interact and see what the mindset of, 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 of those people were. What I understood was the guys that I grew up with in high school had this super inflated mindset that they were all that and yet they could not measure they thought that they could come in they, they thought in high school they would be pros they couldn't even make the high school team and use excuses for that would not be anywhere near making it on the college team to show you the level of competition my roommate as I mentioned he had a, a full scholarship he had been recruited by the school and there was another guy that came from his same area and and they had competed for the scholarship and they had given it to my my roommate. And this other guy was super talented. If you'd ever play with him, you get to realize these guys were just on a whole nother level and they could not, we used to tease my roommate that he barely got, he, he would play at garbage time. He would play with a few seconds left on the clock. And yet the state he came from, he was all state. He was at the highest level there. And my point is this. There were guys who thought they were on a certain level from a high school who were nowhere close to that, but they had an inflated view because of themselves because they isolated themselves. You play with somebody who's not as good as you, you're going to think you're great all the time. Or if you play by yourself, look at that shot, man. Can't nobody make no shot like that. Well, play with the good guys. You'll see how you compare. They isolated themselves. We as believers can easily get a a, a view of ourselves that's not in touch with reality if we isolate ourselves. We often say things like, "I I, I, I could teach just as good as that Sunday school teacher. I could do a better job than he ever did. Maybe you can. And maybe you can. Maybe you don't have a right view. Maybe you've isolated yourself and you won't allow others to have input into your life as, his, as, as God designed it to be. So he says this, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. In his reason, to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. He's not suggesting that we should boast. He's suggesting, though, that we should have a realistic view of ourselves and we should realize that we have a responsibility to to be and to live in a certain way that's pleasing to God. And we should be challenging each other to do that, and we should take up a personal responsibility. As he said in a verse earlier, keep watch over yourself to make sure that you are, your life is in in line with the gospel, that you're living the way God wants you to live. You're connected with God's people and getting a, a realistic, a holistic view of yourself in that. So I see the balance that he gives. You to restore others, yes, but you to keep a watch on yourself. And you to take care of yourself, you to build yourself, you to strengthen yourself, you You to walk, you have a responsibility to walk as you should walk in obedience to Christ. A couple words he gives in the next couple verses. He uses the word good a lot. In other words, we are to do good. We are to do good. You're not just to be good, but you are to do good. We don't do good as good works to earn us into into heaven, but because we are who God created us to be, because we have been elect by him, because we have been chosen by him, because he has brought us to faith, given us life, we should live and act and do a certain way. Here's that way, verse 6. Let those who... Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Share. Share good things with the one who teaches you. This would be... It would actually be interesting as Paul is telling them, look, you... He says earlier in the chapter, just because I tell you the truth, you hate me now? They, they, They had a disdain for Paul because he challenged them. You know, people we don't like to be challenged. Sometimes when somebody challenges us, we we can find all, we can find 10 ways of how they did it the wrong way. And we, while we're busy making a list of 10, we aren't spending any time looking at the things they actually said that we need to work on. We're just looking at 10 things of why they were wrong and what they said. Says, take care of yourself. Look at and concentrate on yourself. But he says, share, share with the one that teaches you That's to show your general attitude of what God has placed in your life to be helpful to you. You appreciate it. You appreciate it for those, for children as they get older. They should come to to a point where they go back to mom and dad and say, thank you for the discipline that you gave me, the structure that you provide. Now, while they're young, they'll say that a little bit, but as they get older, it ought to be prominent. Thank you for what you've done. Because as you mature, there's, an, a, there's a growing appreciation for what God has placed in your life to help you. And that should be a part of maturing believers. Appreciate those who input into your life, recognize your need for them. We have such a culture, we have homeschooling, right? We have people, you know, who, who, who can do all the things that we have do-it-yourselfers. And I, I've been one of both. We homeschool. homeschooled. I'm a do-it-yourselfer when it comes to fixing stuff around my house. So you kind of, it's a danger of developing this attitude of, I don't need nobody else. I can do it myself. And now we have home churches now. I'm serious. We have people who who gather in their home and have church and nothing wrong with having church there. I mean, I think you ought to worship God as a family, but the problem is when you exclude and you you, you become isolated from everybody else. It's a show of appreciation for those God has placed in your life for your good. That's, that's, that's the lesson there. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. There's also a recognition that God has placed some people in your life to help teach you. Don't think that you, you know, uh, You've gotten so big that nobody can tell you anything. There's still people who input into your life and appreciate it and recognize it and humble yourself to realize that God placed that for your purpose. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life there's that principle of planting and harvesting what you plant you will harvest you plant a seed you will get a plant or a tree of that kind what kind of seeds are you planting in your life the other thing I remember my old friend pastor pastor Williams said you know you, you're going to sow and what you're going to get what you're going to get much much more in other words you there's a there's a law of increase is that when you plant one seed you will gain a full plant with many seeds and many produce from it much produce from it when you plant according to the spirit you will reap more than you plant when you plant according to the flesh you will reap more than you plant recognize that principle. And so, what that reminds us then is that we are thankful for the Spirit's work in our lives and that we are willing to invest in the things of God. You're here today, and it's not easy being here, especially in a, in a church the size of ours, uh, because there's an, there's an investment, there's a commitment that's expected from you. It's required, it's needed from you. But you realize when I invest in God's work, there is gain that comes from that. It doesn't come immediately. That's the principle of planting and harvesting. You don't plant today and harvest today. You don't plant today and harvest the next day. It takes a lot of time to see the fruit of that. And so he's saying, don't get discouraged Don't give up too quickly. The work that you are doing, the work that others are doing in your life will show its impact over time. Don't give up. And notice the very next verse, let us not grow weary in doing good. Let's do good and let's not give up doing good. In due season you will reap if you don't give up. But if you give up, you won't won't reap it. Somebody else might reap it, but you won't reap it. Don't be discouraged. I think that goes along with this thought that, you know, we need a hammer. We need a tool. We need something to force people to do the right thing and to beat them into submission because as free believers, uh, uh, you know, they they need that. And this word is saying the Holy Spirit does that. And he does that through his people, through his process, and be patient with that process. When you correct a brother, he may not respond the right way the the first time, but over time, God will show whether that brother is real or not. And you'll see, perhaps you'll see the fruit of that. Don't give up before that happens. Let's not grow weary of doing good. That's a message for the new year to come, isn't it? We would like to see, I would like to see all the things that we did last year. I'd like to see the benefit of them right now. (laughs) But that's not the way it happens. So in spite of that, don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop doing what God has called you to do, being a part of each other's lives, walking in the Spirit, living the way He wants you, making the sacrifices that are called, standing in the gospel, living the gospel, modeling the gospel, Don't stop doing those things. Be faithful in doing them. And you will see a reward. You will see a benefit. You will see growth. In due season, he says, we will reap. If we don't give up. Don't give up. Be encouraged. Stay encouraged. Encourage others. Paul encourages them. When I talked about those three words, confront and challenge and model, here he's encouraging them. He said, I had to say some tough things to you, but I didn't say that because I'm trying to lord over you or make you feel bad or point out all your wrongs. I'm saying that I want to see the fruit in you. God has given me the responsibility to speak those truths there. And I hope you're listening to it. But as you continue on the path, as you continue to do well, as you continue to walk in Christ, as you continue to walk in the Spirit, and you continue to do good, you will see progress. You will see growth. Don't give up. He encourages them. Not a false encouragement either. Not saying, brother, you join this church and this is going to happen. I can promise you this, and I can promise you that, and this is going to be the most dynamic church in the whole city. That's not what it's about. It's about you obeying God, being faithful in what he's called you to do, and trusting him It's being a part of his plan and his process that you'll be confronted sometimes. You'll be used to confront others. You'll be used to challenge others. You'll be used to encourage others. You'll be encouraged by others. Sometimes you won't feel like that's an equal balance. Pastor, I'm being confronted a whole lot more than I'm being encouraged. Be encouraged, brother. Maybe you need that confrontation right now. I don't feel like I need it. Don't go on your feelings. Continue doing what's right. Continue in doing well and doing good continue planting sowing the, the, that's the present that's what we're sowing now and the future will reap who knows when that future is but that's when we'll reap we certainly know that when Christ comes we'll reap that's the true harvest time in fact that's the harvest time we ought to be investing for instead of any kind of temporary uh, uh, reaping that we get that's just to keep us going, to encourage us. God has done so many things in this church that had that just, just enough encouragement to keep me going. <laughs> not to get a big head, not to, not to be set for the future, but just enough encouragement to keep me going. Just to keep me going. I'm reminded, I used to run a lot, kind of one of my New Year's resolutions is to get back into fitness and shape. But as I ran, I, I learned that as I persevered, I, I gained what, what runners would call a second win. You never get to that point unless you persevere. And you persevere. So how can I keep running at this pace and run twice the distance and, and a greater speed than I used to and then run, keep, keep going? But as you persevere, you, get, you, you, you build up endurance. You're able to do what you couldn't do before. He says, keep going. Be encouraged. Keep going. In due season you will reap if you do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Use that again. Do good, do good, do good, do good. You know the balance there is we're free in Christ, but it doesn't mean you sit and do nothing. We don't have to work for our salvation. We don't work to 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 gain anything but doing God's purpose and his will is part of our lives. We are to do. We are to do. Do good, he says again. As you have the opportunity, do good to everyone, especially to those that are the household of faith. Keep in mind, you are, 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 are battling for the lives of eternity for those who you come in contact with. You, you're praying for their walk with Christ and, and that's a huge thing. But also keep in mind, that every believer that you encourage has an impact in others' lives as well. And so make sure that you're reaching out to them. Make sure you're encouraging them. You know, one of the things you don't realize is just by being at church, you're an encouragement to somebody. somebody's me. That <laughs> somebody's me, oh, you feel like, you know, you'll just keep on going no matter what. Well, maybe I will, but I'll be more encouraged when I see that faithfulness that I've seen in you. And so that, 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 that continues. That, that, that's an encouragement that, that builds. And we praise God. So he says, as you have opportunity, be a blessing. Do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. Paul modeled that too. He really did. He modeled that. He says, I'm not just here to rebuke you. He reminded them, man, there was a time when we were so tight, you would have plucked your eyes out and gave them to me if, if I needed them. I said, what happened to that? What happened to that? Just because I tell you the truth, is that all lost now? He says, no. Realize, I'm not telling you this to, to make you feel bad. And uh, he'll go, um, he'll go in, we'll go into that a little bit more in the next section, verse 12. And he says, it "Is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who will force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ another section he says um, in chapter 4 verse 15 what then has become of your blessedness for I testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth they make much of you but for no good purpose they want to shut you out you may make much of them it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. But he says, look, the folks who are distorting the gospel, they pump you up and try to get you because they want you to follow them. And they have a distorted gospel. He says, I'm telling you the truth. That doesn't always make you feel good, but know that I'm doing it for a right purpose, to build you up in your walk, to make you that, that believer. God wants you to be more and more like Christ. And so what we see in this chapter, the gospel frees us, the gospel guides us, and it's a a tremendous influence on our interaction with others. And that's not just to be sweet and nice and say nice things all the time. It's actually to live together in ways that are beneficial for the believer to motivate them in their walk with christ so we see the confrontation that goes on we see the challenging we see the modeling and we see the encouragement that comes from that and so we are challenged to walk in the spirit in the connection that god has placed us in father we thank you for your word today our heart um Lord, we want to receive what you have to say to us today. Help show us how to live that out, to make it practical in our lives. There's many people who are normally here that couldn't be here today. We pray for them. We pray that you would be a comfort to them. You'd encourage them physically to heal their bodies, and you would encourage them spiritually to keep them from being discouraged and giving up. And we miss them today reminding ourselves of how much we need each other and how much we are an encouragement to each other. So one of the practical things, Lord, that we would work to be connected, be willingly connected with each other. Maybe we'll give that person a call. Maybe it's not even a person who's missing. It's a person who's here to say, thank you, brother, sister, for your faithfulness. And Lord, sometimes there's some deeper things that need to be dealt with that aren't always so pleasant. May you give us the right attitude for ourselves, to check ourselves, and the willingness to be in a, involved in the lives of each other in right ways. It's not always received well, but you still have us do it. And we learn as we do it we may not always do it the right way may we be humble enough to admit that we're learning and you're using us as we learn so we pray Lord that you will direct us in how you want us to take in your word and live it out in specific ways we'll listen be mindful sensitive to your Holy Spirit who walks us as we walk with him I pray for Lord that person who you're calling to yourself to trust Christ as the one and only payment for their sin to realize they're a sinner their only Christ's payment his death on the cross can pay for our sin and give us a right relationship with you where we become your children and inherit all the blessings that come with that eternal life, eternity in heaven, peace with you, right fellowship and relationship with you and others. Speak to the heart of any individual here today or anyone listening today that needs to trust Christ. And as you move in their heart, show them how wonderful and how simple that is to acknowledge Christ, to surrender to him, and recognize the work that your Holy Spirit is doing to draw us to be children of God, giving us life. We thank you for that. We thank you for your work. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and his continual work in our life. He said, you never leave us nor forsake us, and you are true to that. We thank you. We trust in you for the challenges coming this year. And we thank you in Jesus' name.